Hey, it's Andy, and welcome to Chatting Out Loud. This is our second episode of the podcast, and I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Some interesting analytics from our first episode is that some of my listeners, aside from being in the United States, are listening in from Canada, Hong Kong, and Indonesia. I want to thank those international listeners for taking the time and tuning in. There's quite a lot to cover today. Um, I want to share a little bit of the news that Apple uh, recently announced with their new products. I actually got a couple of questions in through Instagram as well as through my email asking how to use certain car technology such as Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. As well as having a question on where to service their vehicle during this crisis. I'll try to make sure I answer those questions. I also want to take a little bit of time and cover what to do during this crisis to basically stay a little healthy, stay fit, as well as to pass the time more quickly. So, without further ado, let's get started. So recently, Apple announced a brand new phone, the new iPhone SE. So before Apple had an iPhone SE, it was a small form factor. It's for people who want a smaller phone, physically, right? So the previous model was a 4-inch screen, similar to the iPhone 5 or iPhone 5S. But now Apple updated the SE line, and it's uh, a little bit bigger. It's actually 4.7-inch screen now, and it has the same look and feel as the iPhone 8 glass back. LCD screen. It comes with a home button with Touch ID. So yes, it still uses your fingerprint to unlock the phone rather than your face. Um, there's actually three main things that stand out of, uh, to me for this phone. The first is the camera. The camera is updated from the iPhone 8. So basically it uses the new iPhone 11 camera on there. So it should take pretty good pictures. The second it has the new most updated processor from Apple. is the A13 processor. This is the same processor that iPhone 11 and iPhone 11 Pros have. So the good thing about this processor is that it is the fastest processor for cell phone on the market right now. And what's more importantly is that as the phone ages and as Apple push out updates to software, this phone will be supported for many, many, many years down the road because Apple is known to support older devices, you know, that are like maybe five, six years old. And this phone having the newest processors will guarantee a long shelf life versus like a lot of the Android phones out there, even Google like Pixels, their support is maybe two years, maybe three years max, but Apple is known for supporting older devices for many years. So that's a big positive, right? The last thing that really stands out is the price. It comes in at $399 for a 64-gig iPhone SE. That's a tremendous deal. That undercuts a lot of Android phones out there, a lot of entry Android phones. For $399, you get to be in Apple's ecosystem with an A13 chip with a fantastic camera and a great solid phone. 
obviously there are people out there who wants the best from Apple and this one is not for them. But for majority of the people out there, I think it will work. I think it will work for someone like my parents who are older, who won't use the capability of iPhone 11 or iPhone 11 Pro. This is perfect. Yes, there is no headphone jacks anymore, but you know, Bluetooth headphones are so cheap nowadays, it, it doesn't really matter. It's water resistant. I mean, it's a great phone. It comes in three colors, red, black, or white. To give you a sense on why the iPhone SE is such a great value at $399, check this out. So, if you remember what I mentioned in the first episode of this podcast, I talked about the new Magic Keyboard for the iPro, iPad Pros, and it was uh, $299 for 11-inch, and then $349 for the 12.9-inch iPad, and that's just for the keyboard itself, right? And that was a pretty ridiculous price. So, for 50 bucks more, you get a brand new iPhone, right? But even more ridiculous is this is if you've been following Apple's product lineup, Apple has a brand new, basically, um, Mac, right? It's a Mac Pro. It's a Mac Pro um, tower. And this is like the cream of the crop. It's like the best desktop Apple makes. And they actually have these accessories that they sell along with it. And one of the accessories that's made available this week to purchase are the four wheels that attaches to the bottom of the computer tower so you can roll it around. Guess how much Apple is charging for those wheels? $700. No, I did not misspeak. $700 for the set of four wheels to attach to your computer. Let that sink in a little bit. You could buy an iPhone SE for $399 and still have $300 left to keep in your pocket, right? I mean, that's that's how much value this SE is, this iPhone SE is, and how not a value those wheels are, 700 bucks. But I highly recommend this phone to anybody who wants to jump into the Apple ecosystem or who's just looking for a brand new phone but don't want to spend an arm and leg for those new phones, I think the SE is a really, really good uh, consideration. So, speaking of Apple and, and its products, one of the listeners actually emailed me and asked me, Andy, I have a question. How do you use Apple CarPlay? So that's a Great question, and a lot of people don't realize how to, how easy it is to use Apple CarPlay. So for those of you who do not know what Apple CarPlay is, let me explain to you. So a lot of newer cars nowadays have the software Apple CarPlay built into the radio. And to use Apple CarPlay, all you need to do is plug in the USB cable to your USB slot in your vehicle, and then the other end, you plug it to your phone. And you use allow Apple CarPlay to run, and then what Apple CarPlay does is kind of mirrors your phone onto the radio display, 
right? I'm not saying that all the apps will be mirrored. It's just whatever app is supported by Apple CarPlay, it will be displayed. And no, unfortunately, you cannot watch YouTube on the display while you're driving because that is uh, uh, destructive driving and Apple nor the regulators will allow that. But you do get like WhatsApp, you do get Pandora, you get Waze, you get Spotify, you get Google Maps. So whatever apps that's compatible to Apple CarPlay, when you plug in your phone, it will display it. The convenience of Apple CarPlay is that you get to use Siri, um, you get to use the cloud search for navigation, so it'll always be up to date. And as messages come in, you get to reply to it via voice, you just look at it uh, when your car is stopped. So it's very, very convenient. With Apple CarPlay, there's also its competitor called Android Auto. All right. So Android Auto is a little bit more complicated to use. Um, so the the format to enable is the same. You plug in the cable to USB slot and you plug in the other end to your Android phone. The issue with Android is that not every Android phone supports Android Auto. And the reason is because there's so many different brands, right? You have your Samsung, so you have your HTC, you have Huawei, you have Motorola, you have LG, you have all these different brands of Android phones. And within each brand, they also have different versions of Android. So when you talk about Android, majority of phones will have Android Auto, but there will be gaps in it where some phone might not have it. Unlike Apple, where, you know, Apple's phone, the software is the same across all its devices, right? As long as it's updated to the most current software, it's all the same. But Android, there's a lot of variation, a lot of um, uh, updates, so you got to be aware of that. But if your phone does have support Android Auto and your car supports it as well, aside from plugging the phone, you also got to download an app. Uh, the app is called Android Auto, and you can download it for free off the App Store, off the Google Play Store. And once you download it, um, open it, It'll ask a series of questions. I want to say it's like eight to ten questions to basically allow allow the system to connect your messages, your contacts, um, accept the disclaimers, and so forth. And once you do that, the the functionality of Android Auto is very similar to CarPlay. It's just a different look, but the similarity is there. Your apps will show up if it's supported by Android Auto. Your maps are there. Um, your music, your podcast. Everything is there. The good thing about Android Auto and CarPlay is that you can have navigation at your fingertip, right? So the navigation you're familiar with, uh, whether it be Google Maps or Apple Maps or even Waze, you'll be using that on the system within your cars. So first of all is both of these systems uses your data. Right, it takes data for it to run. So if you're driving up the mountain or anywhere that has no cell reception for your data plan, then this system will not work. But I want to say for 85% to 90% of you, these systems are perfect because they're great for daily driving. And as you commute to work or your or your errands, these system will work because you have reception, right? It's just those those instances when you actually go up to the mountains or go to the desert or areas with no cell reception, that's when there might be issues. And the great thing about these systems, especially for the navigation aspect, is that 
the data is always updated. Is gathered, is getting from the cloud, and is always updated. And these systems are actually um, kicking the traditional navigation system within cars basically out of business, right? You think about this way: when you buy a car off the lot that has a built-in navigation system, there's a few disadvantage to that. You're paying extra, I want to say, eighteen to two thousand dollars, eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars for the system, and the system that you have in the vehicle may already be out of date because the car was produced three, four months ago, right? But just because the car was produced three, four months ago, the radio with the data inside it might have been supplied to the manufacturing plants even before that. So technically your data on your navigation system could be a year old while it's sitting a lot, right? So that is a disadvantage uh, of the traditional navigation system versus Apple CarPlay slash Android Auto. But the big positive is that on a traditional navigation system, it's actually a GPS signal that, that uses a satellite, GPS satellite up in the space, right? It triangulates the signal and beams you the information. So even in mountains or in deserts, you still have the navigation unit running, providing you with directions even when your cell phone does not have data. So it really depends on what your needs are or how comfortable you are for those instances where you will not have um, reception for your phone for Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, that's when the navigation system might come in handy. Or you can always go super old school and just look for Thomas Guide or print out MapQuest and place in your glove box, right? Um, and I do want to make a caveat is that not every auto manufacturer has Apple CarPlay or Android Auto capability. I know, for example, Infinity, they're barely starting to roll out Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. They, they're one of the most uh, behind manufacturers with when it comes to this kind of thing. Uh, Mazda just recently incorporated these systems in their vehicle. Um, Toyota as well. But there are other players in the industry where they've had these for ages, right? Like your Hondas, your Hyundais, or even your um, your, your, your Dodge and your Ram. So make sure when you look shopping for a new vehicle, look and ask uh, the salesperson, look at their Moroni label to see if these systems are included with the car. And they're not extra cost system. It's just built in as software to the radio. So a listener actually wrote in and asked me, where would they service their cars during this time of crisis? Well, my question, first of all, is where are you driving that you need to service a car? You're only supposed to be at home and just not go anywhere unless it's for the grocery runs or whatnot. And I don't think grocery runs would, you know, take all that mileage. But anyways, to answer your question is that, I don't know which part of the country you're from, but here in California, especially here in Southern California, there's a lot of dealership that offers at-home service, meaning that they'll come to your house, pick up your vehicle, bring it to the dealership, they'll do the service, and they'll bring the car back to you. So you actually never leave your house for the service, which is pretty awesome. So I'm not sure which part of the country you're from, but a lot of dealership does that. Make sure you call your dealership to see if they offer something like that. And 
Dealership services are considered essential workers because under the law, auto repair shops and car services are essential workers. So if a, de- if a certain dealership doesn't offer it, definitely call to other dealerships. Maybe other brands offer it. Or even maybe go to your local mom and pop shop because I think those probably need your support now more than ever. I also read today that Mazda is offering free oil change to all healthcare workers, whether you be a doctor or a nurse, you know, EMT, whatever. If you're a healthcare worker and you can prove that you're a healthcare worker, just go to any Mazda dealership and they'll give you a free oil change. And then it's nationwide and you do not need to have a Mazda to get this offer. As long as you're a healthcare worker, you drive your car to the Mazda dealership and they'll offer you the free oil change. Obviously, it can't be any like exotic cars or, 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 or classic cars, but I think any of the cars you see normally on the street would apply, which is pretty awesome. Kudos, Mazda, for helping the healthcare officials and first responders out. So let's talk about video games really quickly. I'm not a hardcore gamer by any means, but I have been playing more games than normal due to the situation we're in. When you're at home and you just want to pass time quickly, I definitely suggest picking up a video game and just enjoying it. I have a Nintendo Switch and I have a PlayStation 4 that I play with. And I highly recommend either system, maybe the Switch. But what's interesting is that I actually read an article today from Business Insider that Nintendo uh, is not making enough Switch to satisfy the demand. All the major retailers like Best Buy, Walmart, Target, GameStop, they're all sold out of Nintendo Switches. So the only way you can get one right now is either through secondhand or through like uh, eBay or like Facebook Marketplace to look for these uh, Nintendo Switches. And a lot of times you'll be paying a premium. People are selling for it like four, five hundred bucks per system. And the system new is like two ninety nine. So People are, you know, making a little profit from that. And Nintendo said that they don't see the supply equalizing until maybe summertime. So if you are looking for a Switch, just, just be prepared that you may be paying a premium for it. But it's a great system. I highly recommend it to anybody that are into casual gaming or even um, you know, family gaming. This is a great system. I have a PlayStation 4, as I mentioned. But we're really caught my eyes the last couple of weeks is the announcement of PlayStation 5. They're supposed to come out this fall, right in times for the holiday. And so Xbox and, and PlayStation are the two main competitors, right? So Xbox actually announced their system and showed off their system, I want to say a month ago. And it was it was pr- it was pretty pretty cool. And uh, PlayStation, Sony has also been keeping uh, pretty low key on the system. They did release images of the PlayStation 5 controller a couple weeks ago, which is pretty unique looking. And when you see it, it's like it looks completely different from the current generation controller, yet it looks familiar at the same time, which I think is great because you know. As a gamer, you want the placement, the placement of the buttons to be very similar. Uh, the mountain buttons be very similar, but it looks completely different. It looks actually really unique and really interesting. I highly recommend 
you guys to Google it. Google it is a PS5 controller. But Sony has not shown any images of the system itself. Uh, so we're all waiting for that. It's been uh, pretty secretive. And I was also reading a report that Sony and Microsoft might not uh, have as much supply as the current system when it was launched. And the reason behind that is because the starting price might be higher. So the starting price for the current PlayStation 4 and the current Xbox, I believe when it first came out, was $399, $399. The rumor has it that the new system will come out at $450 US dollars. So it's 50 bucks more, and they think that that will deter a lot of the early adopters from buying it. So that's why they're forecasting the supply to be lower and demand to be lower. But even at $450 a piece, the reports are saying that Sony and Microsoft will both be losing money per unit until, I guess, they sell enough to equalize the, the, the profit margin, right? So I thought that was pretty interesting. So we just got to wait. Um, I think we'll probably gonna see the PlayStation 5 system itself pretty soon. My guess is no later than early May. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out for that. Another thing I want everyone to really pay attention to is their health while you're staying at home during this crisis. Um, we've all heard the term freshman 15, right? Where you go to college, you gain 15 pounds your first year, but you're just eating, you're partying, you're not taking care of yourself. Well, there's been the hashtag quarantine15 out on the interwebs, and people are actually gaining weight, staying at home, because you might be eating more junk food, you might be eating at random times, not, not having a consistent schedule, you're not, you're maybe not having enough steps in your routine versus when you're actually at work, you'll be walking around and having more steps. So I highly recommend everyone to go out and do some exercise, whether it be a quick walk around the block or a quick jog or run, highly, highly recommend it. I have been trying to run every other day, and, and it's been good. And I also want to recommend everyone, you know, the shoes to wear. Good running shoes means a lot. So I have actually two pairs of shoes for my, for my runs. I have a pair of Adidas Ultra Boost 19. And those are actually really comfortable shoes. It absorbs the impact pretty well. But my favorite part of the shoes is that the bottom, the rubber part, is actually made by Continental. And I've been running with it quite a bit, and I do not see any wear and tear on the rubber at all, which is pretty awesome. But I feel the shoe is a little bit heavier than I would like, but it's very comfortable though. The second pair I have is a pair of Nike Flyknit uh, Epic React, and these shoes are super, super lightweight. It's like it's like comparing this to the Ultra Boost is like a Miata versus a Camry, right? It's, it's such a lightweight pair of shoes, these Nikes. And what I like about them is that they give almost as much as a, a cushion support as Ultra Boost, but with lightness, it feels like I'm running without any shoes on, which is awesome. And the Flyknit really hugs my feet, so I really like that as well. So I definitely recommend, if you're thinking about running, to check those shoes out. And if you're not a big fan of Adidas or Nike, no worries. There's plenty of other shoes out there. There's like Brooks, there's Reeboks, there's Saucony's. And there's a lot of deals going on right now 
for from the retail industry. So definitely do your research, look for deals, and find the right pair and go do some exercises. If you're not into running, because whether your your knees are are are, are prone to getting injured or, or or whatnot, I also have been doing some exercises at home. Uh, these the exercises are called Tabata, 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 Tabata. I I I I probably am saying it wrong, but it's spelled T A B A T A, Tabata workout, and these workouts are fantastic. They're short. They're usually five to eight minutes long, and they're high intensity. They're like non-stop high intensity, very little breaks, but just high intensity gets your heart rates up, and it's great for someone like me because I have a two and a half year old toddler, and I need to pay attention to him and watch over him, so I don't have the luxury of doing an exercise routine that takes forty-five minutes long or an hour long. So these high intensity workout really, really is beneficial, and. Surprisingly, after you finish the five or eight minute workout, you'll be sweating so much. You'll be surprised that, wow, like I didn't know a short workout like that could really make me sweat so much, get my heart rate up so quickly, and just basically tear me apart. So I definitely recommend it. Go on YouTube, just look for these videos. There's plenty of them out there, and just see which one fits you, and go at it. Wow. And that's the end of our second episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to this podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you have any topics or questions you would love for me to address in future episodes, please reach out to me. You can email me at chattingoutloud2020 at gmail.com. Or follow me on Instagram and message me on there at Chatting Out Loud. Again, thank you for your questions and your support. And I can't wait for our next chat. Take care.